my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where today we are talking about the signal we're seeing right now that signals the changing of the guard. Now, it's something I've been talking about for quite a while, and it is summed up in what I've been calling the fight of our lives. Now, I've done many talks talking about cycles and revolutionary cycles, decentralized revolution cycles. I talk about the battle for the fate of humanity. But I believe right now we are in the fight of our lives. This is we the people versus the powers that be, the government, the state, if you want to call it that. The battle for the fight of our lives comes down to us having freedom. And ultimately, it comes down to us being able to control our freedom and our rights and access to technologies. And either we get the fire, we get the technology that enables us to continue to flourish as a society, continue to think, communicate, uh, expand, become more efficient, and all these things, or the state, the ever-growing state trying to hold on to power takes control of this technology and is able to remain in power and limits our ability to have freedom. This is the fight of our lives. I talk about it on a regular basis. And the story that I'm going to break down for you today highlights this point better than anything. This is the signal that shows the changing of the guard. This story highlights, it emphasizes why all of these stories that I've been talking about from freedom and privacy and censorship, why they're all coming to a head right now. This story puts a pin in this, and I say it all the time, right? I say that technology is what changes the world. Technology is what changes the world because it changes the way that we organize, the way that we communicate, right? 
And this is exactly what we're talking about. We're, I want to show you today how technology has done this. I want to show you how you can see how it's this technology that's, that's rapidly changing society as we know it. There was a court case, all right, a court case that brought this right to the front of the public consciousness. Uh, if you know what you're looking at anyway, some people just look at it as a court case. But if you know what you're looking at, if you know where the dots are, you can start to connect this. And it's so important to understand is because it signals the shifting of the balance of power. The state has a monopoly on violence and force, but the balance of power is shifting back to us, we the people with this technology. And we see this pendulum is swinging, it's swinging the world and it's shifting back from this centrally planned, this centralization of power, the UN, the IMF, the BIS, et cetera, total control to this decentralized world, this decentralized revolution. It's in full effect, it's in full swing. Now the event that I wanna break down for you might not be obvious to you, but the event I'm talking about is Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF, the trial that just happened, the conviction that just happened, of course, SBF and the FTX cryptocurrency exchange. But this is not about crypto. It's not about cryptocurrencies. It's not about Ponzi schemes. It's not even about the fraud. That's the story you've already heard. What I want to show you is what this story means, what this signal is, and how this shift and how this story signals this shift um, in the trust that we have in institutions, the power of the crowd, how it harnesses technology and it shifts the balance of power back to us. And more importantly, it highlights the reality of the fight of our lifetimes. I know there's a lot in this story that most people just aren't understanding. So let's just go ahead and jump into it. Now, I do want to just shout out to Balaji. Uh, Balaji wrote a paper kind of breaking down a lot of these moments. I'm using his paper for some of my research. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Shout out to Balaji. Uh, hopefully, we'll be uh, meeting up in Texas, I believe, next week um, at the Texas Blockchain Association. Uh, but I'm going to link to his stuff down below if you want to read his whole story. But, you know, the story back to this, who has the fire, this, this power that we have now with this technology. And right now I'm talking about the internet and we're going to talk about like some cryptocurrencies as well, but mainly this internet. And I've, I've been talking about this a lot. If you, if you pay attention to my show, you know, this, I covered it in a book that was written called the revolt of the public. I had the author on Martin Gurry. um, Go back to the podcast, search the Mark Moss show, search the archives for the revolt of the public, Martin Gurry, highly worth it, or read the book. Uh, but basically, it's that uh, the power of the state has always been in controlling the narrative, controlling the information that we have, controlling then what we think, what we can say. But the internet is a piece, uh, is a piece of technology that's given us back the power to communicate without the need of the state. We no longer need the state's approved TV channels or radio channels that they have control over the FCC or the newspapers. And now independent people like me can just create a channel and start putting on information. And it's that ability for us to quickly spin up information, citizen journalism, the ability for us to discuss these ideas that's changed this balance of power. And like I said, it's never been more evident. So we're talking about the SBF case. And it's sort of like uh, if you if you grew up on watching Scooby-Doo, like I did at the end of the Scooby-Doo, it was like uh, the mystery machine. Uh, they would go do this research and they would find, you know, this haunted uh, mansion or this haunted amusement park. And they'd find out it was just some old guy that used to run it. And they would tie him up and they'd bring the police in and the the, the criminal would be tied up. 
the police would come in, the case would be sealed, and then they would pull the mask off and the criminal would say, I would have gotten away for it if it wasn't for you pesky kids. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened with SBF. Um, it was sort of like a Scooby-Doo movie. And now we, the, the, the internet, the internet slews, they found SBF out. They delivered him hogtied directly to the police with the case sealed. Now that he's been convicted, we'll, we're still waiting on the sentencing. We'll see where that's at. Um, he's eligible to get up to, I think, 110 years. Some people are saying he'll probably get much less and you'll understand why I have to get to this story. But now that he's been convicted, we're starting to see sort of like a rewriting of history, which is saying, look, the system worked, right? Look, we found him guilty. You guys thought we'd let him off because he's a Democratic darling. But look, he, it worked. He, he got convicted. But that's not the case. That's not the case at all. They're trying to rewrite history to tell you that. So let me give you the long version of this. And so you can understand, like I said, this is a big story. The fight of our lives, this, this, this tells you why. So the system did not work. Don't let them tell you that it did, right? If you get the last question right on a test after failing every other one, you still fail the test. And that's exactly what happened. The state, the legacy institutions, the politicians, the journalists, the regulators, the criminal justice system all failed and then eventually succeeded. Okay. But it was only after failing everywhere else. And it was only after the demand of the public only after the internet crowd, the, the, the public armed with the power of the internet, built the entire case out for them. And didn't just build the entire case out for them, but then demanded that they take action. All right. So what am I talking about? Well, we know that it was people on the internet. I'm going to break this down for you. Uh, that really brought this to the forefront. Now, none of this would have ever happened, potentially, if it wasn't for the power of us having this fire, the internet. SBF, we know that he stole people's funds. Now we know billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars. We know that he used that stolen money to help swing elections across the country. These are facts. These are non-arguable facts. These actions that he did can never be unwound. Those political figures are there now. So this means that in essence, SBF kind of took one for the team and the bad guys got away with it again. Now, this isn't some great triumph for the U.S. establishment, right? Because again, we have the internet. The, the power of the crowd is what really caught SBF and brought him to justice, um, not the centralized state. All right. So we're going to break this down into a couple of pieces. I want to talk about how the, the legacy institutions failed, how the politicians failed. We're going to talk about how the journalists failed. We're going to talk about how the regulators failed. We're going to talk about how the criminal justice system failed. And then we're going to talk about how the internet succeeded, how decentralized technologies and protocols help the internet succeed. And then we're going to talk about the bigger reason as to why they don't want you to have technology and freedom of speech. Everything else that you're seeing is going to make sense after we go through the story. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're always talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about how technology is changing the world. And like I said, this story highlights it all. You do not want to miss this. We have a whole lot to cover, but I got to take a quick break. So I'm going to do a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to cover all those things. Don't miss it. I'm going to be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. 
I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're running through the decentralized revolution. We're running through the court case of SBF and FTX and how he just got convicted. But it's a different story than what you're hearing in the news. We're digging into the failure of legacy institutions and how the power of the crowd swung this over. So, Again, the system didn't work. Let's talk about the legacy institutions that failed us. So first off, we're going to talk about the politicians. Now, if you remember, this is all over the news, um, SBF was the number two donor to the Democratic Party after George Soros. Now, I've been talking about George Soros uh, for a long time. Lots of other people have as well. Lately, you've been hearing George Soros being talked about by Elon Musk. Elon Musk, I think, was on Joe Rogan, so it got probably hundreds of millions of views, talking about how he was a threat to society and evil uh, danger and all these things. So George Soros is the largest donor to the Democratic Party. SBF was the number two donor. Now, it's been admitted that he was one of the people most responsible for putting Joe Biden in the White House. As a matter of fact, FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried's um, cryptocurrency exchange, FTX was created right when Biden announced that he was going to run for president. So it looks like that's pretty interesting. As a matter of fact, on my main YouTube channel, just search Mark Moss um, FTX SBF, I did a video highlighting all of these connections between the, the time that FTX was created and Joe Biden announcing his campaign, if you want to look into that. Anyway, uh, we know that he was the most responsible for putting Joe Biden in the White House. And we know now that he's convicted that he did this with stolen money. 
All right. Now, we know other Democrats like Maxine Waters praised FBF for being candid. She welcomed him to testify to Congress even after his fraud was public. Even after. Even after we knew that he took all these people's money, tens of billions of dollars, she still invited him in. Maxine Waters isn't just some Democratic politician. She is the chair of the House Financial Services Committee. All right. She's not just some politician, the House Financial Services Committee. She was, quote, surprised that SBF was arrested before he had the prestigious opportunity to make his case before Congress. Why? Why was she surprised? She knew him personally. She'd been working closely with him. She was working with him closely on doing what? Capturing the regulatory state. She was putting through a bill that he was helping her with that would have criminalized all the decentralized finance um, platforms and instead benefited his centralized FTX platform. So he was using the state. They were working together to push a bill to criminalize you for using technology and only be allowed to use his platform. So we know that the politicians failed. Their nominal job is passing laws that are in the best interests of the public. That's you and I. They're supposed to be public servants watching out for us and putting in things that would help us flourish, like having access to technology. But instead, she worked with a known fraudster like Sam Bankman-Fried to instead push a bill that would criminalize you and I for using software and instead push everybody into his pocketbook. Now, how did he accomplish that? Well, he legally bribed them, of course. He legally bribed them by being the second largest donor to the Democratic Party. Now, a few of you are going to say, yeah, 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 Mark, he gave some money to Republicans too. He did, a couple. He did, a a couple, couple coins went to some Republicans. But they were the Republicans that were on these committees that were pushing his agenda. Don't get caught up in the labels here. Now, SPF legally bribed them by donating to these campaigns. He pushed this legislation that was in his favor. And it would, have, it, would have, it would have favored his centralized power over everybody else. Now, he would have succeeded in this. Uh, him and the state, Maxine Waters, would have succeeded if it wasn't for those pesky kids like Scooby-Doo on the internet. Now, the other legacy institution that failed us was the journalist. Now, journalists were supposed to have uh, freedom of the press because the freedom of the press is supposed to keep the transparency of the state open. They're supposed to actually do research and they're supposed to actually do real journalism that keeps everybody honest, that they know if they do something shady, they're going to be found out and it's going to be exposed. That's why they're protected. But again, legacy journalism failed us. As a matter of fact, not did they just fail us. SBF was the toast of the town in mainstream media. The New York Times, maybe a mouthpiece for the government, went all was just fawning all over Sam Bankman-Fried. He, they were his, they were his favorite, they, or he was their favorite character. And as a matter of fact, even after this all became public, after we found out that he stole billions of dollars from the public, after he took, I don't even know, countless hundreds of thousands of people's savings, literally if people broke, even after that came to public view, the New York Times brought him on to a stage to something called the Deal Book Summit. Um, After they knew he had taken millions or or billions, they gave him a loud round of applause to speak to everybody. And it wasn't just that they did this, but 
they tried to swing public opinion in his favor after already knowing that he ruined people's lives and he stole billions of dollars. Now, if we contrast this to the other coverage that they've had of cryptocurrency, for example, we can see that the media's message for Bitcoin is that Bitcoin's a fraud, Bitcoin uses too much energy, but not SBF, he's a friend. Because look how much money he's given to media outlets. Look how much money he's given to NGOs. As a matter of fact, legacy media even went as far as to call him the J.P. Morgan of crypto. He was the guy. So the journalists who were supposed to be researching this and bringing this, exposing this to us, they failed. We have trusted legacy media to expose these things. We have trusted legacy media to educate us on these things, but they completely failed in their nominal job of informing the public and instead taking money and then trying to push public opinion. Even after we knew that he took billions of dollars, they continued to put him up into the public. They continued to write nice things about him. And again, they would, have, they, would have, they would have succeeded in this if it wasn't for those nosy kids, those pesky kids on the internet. We're going to tell you how those pesky kids did that in a second. Now, we also see that the regulators failed. The regulators are there to regulate people like this so they don't do things like this. As a matter of fact, the main regulator is the SEC, Securities Exchange Commission. Their role, their only role is to protect consumers like you and I. Did, did they do a good job? Well, $10 billion of consumer funds were stolen right beneath their nose. So would that be a passing grade? Did they protect consumers? Could they plead that they were ignorant about it? Well, again, if you go back and watch the video I did when all this broke through, again, go back to my main YouTube channel, Mark Moss, search Mark Moss and FTX, you'll find it. Gary Ginsler is tied directly into the entire FTX fiasco. If you want to see the dots, go back and watch that. Gary Gensler, who's the head of the SEC, whose job is to protect you and I, um, the consumer, is tied directly into this. Gary Gensler went and met with SBF privately. Now, this is not something that he does normally. This is not something that's given to other projects, but he did meet with SBF. Now, there's a whole lot more to cover. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, I'm breaking down an event that just happened, SBF getting um, convicted, but it's not the story that I'm telling. I'm telling you why the government wants to censor and control us and how this cracked this wide open and it shifts the balance of power. I'm going to have a whole lot more to cover, but I got to take a very quick break. Don't go away. I'm going to be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm talking about how uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF, and the FTX fiasco and how he was just convicted, but that's not the story we're talking about. You know that story. It's all over the news. What I'm talking about is what happened here and how this signals the shift in the balance of power that's happening and how everything else that you're seeing in regards to censorship and spying and regulations all makes sense if you understand this story. So we covered how legacy... Uh, institutions have failed us. We talked about how the uh, legacy, the politicians failed us. We talked about how the journalists failed us. And now we're talking about the regulators. So Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, again, their only job is to protect the consumers. Consumers lost over $10 billion, so they failed. Gary Gensler should resign in disgrace. The uh, SEC should be shut down, dismantled. Just on that alone. Now let's take a look at what actually happened. So whether he was whether he knew about it or not doesn't change the fact that he failed in his job to protect the consumer. So whether he knew or didn't know, he still failed. But did he know? So again, if you go watch that video on my main YouTube channel, you'll see the ties that he had with SBF. But he met with SBF privately. And again, most people don't get that. Now, not only did he meet with SBF privately, so he had inside information, he was privy to information about FTX that most people didn't have. Not only did he do that, did he see that and not do anything, he then went and attacked all these other projects publicly, cases that he's lost publicly. The meeting that, that he had with FTX mentions, quote, conditional no action relief. What does that mean? That means in regulatory trans, you know, translation that they will not pursue enforcement against FTX. Hmm. So he went and met with them. Apparently, maybe Sam Bankman-Fried opened the books. We don't know. Uh, there was lots of information he received. And we know now this was the biggest fraud scam in the entire industry, $10 billion. And Gary Gensler, right under his nose, right after a private meeting, just said, nope, we're not going to do any regulatory action against them. Oh, but we are going to go after a whole bunch of these other things that we don't really know anything about. And we ended up losing. So the regulators failed in their nominal job of one flagging a bad project, two, passing good projects, and instead they spent their time meeting with SBF and attacked Bitcoin ETFs. Where When Gary Gensler has said that he knows their commodities, when we know it's a decentralized cryptocurrency, why? 
Why did Gary Gensler do that? Could it be that be, it's because SBF was his ally? How was he his ally? Well, donating money to their party, using people like Maxine Waters and the Financial Service Committee, using Gary Gensler to push for more regulatory power. So if you have power, you and I, most likely, we don't want power. People in government, they do. They want more. So if SBF is giving you money and helping you pass bills to give you more regulatory power and giving you more money, then you want that, which is why regulators gave him special favors like private meetings, which is why Congress steered crypto regulation to his preference, to his business. And they would have all gotten away with it if it wasn't for those pesky kids on the internet like Scooby-Doo. Now, let's talk about what did work. The internet worked. The power of the crowd, crowdsourced information. There's been all these tests done where you you test the, 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 the power of the crowd. And so like at a, at a county fair, they'd have like a big steer, like a cow up on stage. And they'd say, go guess the weight of that steer. And as long as you had people that were reasonably knowledgeable, like farmers, and they would go put a vote in, like how much the, the cow or the steer weighed. And they didn't see the other um, guesses. What they found is that when they averaged those out, it was crazy close. They did that with like cows. They did it with how many M&Ms were in a jar, things like that. The power of the crowd is extremely powerful. And that's what the internet gives to us. The internet allows us to have all this information. So when somebody like the state spreads misinformation, um, we can instantly disprove it. Instantly, we can do the research, we can find the information, and we can show it. We can show pictures, videos, whatever it is. And that's exactly what happened. The power of the crowd blew out legacy institutions. And how did they do it? Well, it started with crypto investor Nick Tomeno, and he tweeted that FTX was suspect in both its trading activity and its policy advocacy. Now, it started on Twitter. If Twitter was still controlled by the state, would that have allowed to have happen? I mean, we don't know. That's why Elon Musk said he wanted to buy Twitter. That's why he believes Twitter is so important. We need to allow this information to get out. Now, if it was up to the state, they would have wanted to suppress this information. He tweeted it. And he tweeted about FTX suspect in his trading activity and its policy advocacy. Then uh, another crypto CEO, Eric Voorhees, um, confronted SBF on a podcast. Um, and that kind of blew it open. And then it culminated in another internet site called Coindesk, published an article by Ian Allison um, talking about uh, all these shenanigans that SBF was doing, and it blew this fraud case wide open. Now, none of this was driven by legacy media, legacy politicians, legacy regulators, or police. None of it. Even Washington Post, another mouthpiece for the government, admitted that citizen journalists outshine traditional media. The power of the crowd, the power of the internet, but if you need to hide your agenda, if you need to control a narrative, you could easily understand why you wouldn't want the public to have access to this information. You see, the elites want to push what they call a technocracy. That means uh, a government, a, a, a state that's run by not technologists, by experts. That's what a technocracy is. It's run by experts. So they want to have all the information. They want to have the power of the information. They don't want us to have it. Never did they imagine the balance of power would be shifted where the public would have access to the same information that they would, and they would no longer be able to hide in this murkiness, opa opacity, because now we, the people would have access to information, would be able to expose them just like what happened. Now, 
After this happened, after CoinDesk broke this article, things started moving really, really quickly. Uh, Binance CEO CZ said he was going to sell his stakes. Um, SBF from FTX said, oh, it's fine. It's fine. No big deal. Um, but very quickly, the community tested his claims. All this happened on the internet, so everybody saw this. And very quickly, the internet, the power of the crowd, the decentralized community was able to fact check him because of Bitcoin. So Bitcoin has an open transparent ledger. So you can say, hey, we have the Bitcoin, but the open transparent ledger shows the truth. And so because of the Bitcoin blockchain being open, Sam Bankman-Fried couldn't continue the fraud. They couldn't cover it. Now we can't we can't emphasize this enough. It wasn't legacy journalists, it wasn't politicians, it wasn't regulators, it wasn't the police. It was the internet, the, the power of the crowd, and the decentralized power of the Bitcoin blockchain that was able to bring him to um you know, showing that he was a fraud. SBF was saying that, oh, everything's fine. Assets are fine. But they weren't. And because we could fact check it, he failed. So the network succeeded. The, the decentralized network succeeded where the centralized power of the state failed. It was crypto Twitter that asked the hard questions. The, the crowd did the actual citizen journalism. They found the smoking gun. They published the proof on the internet. And after that, only after that happened, only after the power of the crowd, the internet, the Scooby-Doo mystery machine went and found the crime, found all the evidence, exposed it, tied it up, and gave it to a bow, um, gave it bow tied to the state. Did something happen? The internet had cryptographic proof that SBF was a criminal on historic scale by a November 11th of 2022 when FTX paused withdrawals. They said that, well, customers thought there was 20,000 Bitcoin in FTX, and we quickly found out they only had one. Not 20,000 Bitcoin, one Bitcoin. That was found out, and that was delivered. Now, SBF and his cronies, they lied to the public. They said that, uh, you know, they came up with all kinds of reasons. We have plenty of funds, but, you know, we can't, we can't give them out right now for whatever reason, but they couldn't lie because of the Bitcoin blockchain. Millions of witnesses could independently confirm that their money was stolen by monitoring the network. Now, uh, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm breaking down what happened with SBF and FTX, but not the story that you're hearing in the news. I'm telling you why this is bringing to front the battle for the fate of humanity, the battle of our, of our lives right now. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Don't go away. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm talking about the SBF, the FTX fiasco. SBF just got convicted. He's facing 110 years. But that's not the story I'm telling. What I'm telling is a story that signals this massive shift in the balance of power. And if you understand this, you'll understand exactly why the state wants to censor and control technology. All right. Now, um, so basically the power of the crowd, the internet, they found all the information. They, they bow tied SBF up. They gave him to the um, DOJ Department of Justice to go after, but yet they wouldn't do anything. For weeks, nothing happened. Sam Bankman Freed was free going around. He's going around on TV shows. He's going on Good Morning America. Again, I, as I said earlier, the, the New York Times hosted him at an event and gave him a round of applause. He was still welcome to testify before Congress by the chair of the House Financial Services after we already knew that he did this. But more importantly, while he was doing this, this is the point we have to drill into, because one of the core lies being circulated online right now is that the state, you know, succeed in this, but that's not what happened. During this time, as he was allowed to remain free, as he was allowed to go on a speaking tour, as he was allowed to come in and, and testify in Congress, the legacy media and politicians were basically making his case to the court of public opinion. A lot of times in these high profile cases, there's like gag orders and things like this, because they don't want them to affect what the public perception is or what the jury might see. But during this time, they were changing the public perception of what was going on. That's part of the reason why this took so long. Now, this didn't happen in a vacuum. People see this, but most people don't understand this. Now, why did it happen so long? Why did it break down like this? Well, again, we broke down the legacy institutions, one of which was the justice system. Now, we know back to George Soros, the bigger donor in front of SBF being the number two, Soros has basically said, ah, you know what, like, uh, let's not focus so much on the big presidential election, which of course he's there. Let's go more after the district attorneys, the DAs. Let's, let's not, let's not try to change America through like changing the constitution or voting. Let's just change the justice system. If we can change the way they prosecute crime. And that's exactly what's happening. We can see now crime is de facto legal in most American cities. We see that all over the place. We see all through the major cities, the, the, the stores, even in, in, in uh, Beverly Hills, the stores are having to leave because they can't afford to be there anymore. We're seeing prosecution of actual crimes winding down but the prosecution of political crimes ramping up. Sure, go ahead and firebomb a pregnancy advocacy center. Uh, go ahead and spray paint graffiti, hate messages, and threats. But if you're silently, peacefully praying on a sidewalk, you're facing a decade in prison. These are political crimes. That's what's happening. And we're seeing it all over. We're in the era of show trials, where Russiagate charges are slowly admitted to be false, while the Hunter Biden allegations are gradually acknowledged to be true. For years, we were fed this Russiagate um, phony case, which a lot of people saw through, and eventually they admitted that it was all fake. But they quietly did it, slowly did it. Hunter Biden, everyone knew it was already true. They said it wasn't, 
And then eventually they said it was true. Why? Because the power of the crowd was able to figure this out. But all this was only after the elections had already happened. We found out about Russiagate after it already changed the course of the election. We found about the Hunter Biden laptop after the election was already decided. Now, the, the Biden administration pushed a letter with like 50 intelligence analysts saying that the Hunter Biden thing was false, even when... The laptop had been known to be true since 2019 by the FBI. None of this is justice. So this is why we don't trust the justice system. It's why we don't trust the police. The fact that criminal justice system eventually grudgingly was forced to do something because the public put so much pressure on them, they couldn't go any longer without it. And this is the point that we're talking about. The government didn't want to do anything about it because they wanted SPF there to continue to donate, be the second largest donor to the party. They wanted them to continue to push these regulations. They wanted him to be able to uh, continue to fund them, and they didn't want to have to give the money back. Now, justice delayed is, could be the same as justice denied. So this is the second point. Why did it take so long for SBF to get picked up? Now, the powers that be want to tell you, well, it's because that's the justice system and people in America are innocent until proven guilty, which they are. I would agree with that. So everyone should be innocent until proven guilty. But then why do you see people like Alex Pertsev jailed within days? He, who is, he created a piece of code for tornado cash. All he did was write the code and the OFAC created some new law. They interpreted an existing law and then they went and grabbed him and held him without charges for writing a piece of code. In 2020, the FBI went to go investigate that fake news story at the NASCAR within 24 hours. We see them move fast all the time when they want to. And part of this was that they wanted to allow this court of uh, opinion to be changed they want to believe that their hands were tied. They were giving him due process. But we see all the time the state doesn't do that when it, when it fits their agenda. The state put millions of innocent people under indefinite house arrest, but they couldn't get SBF under legal arrest. It took an entire month after we knew that he had stole billions of dollars of funds from customers before they finally went in. And part of it is because this was an entire embarrassment to the party. We've seen that there is now no trust in the police. There's no trust in the DOJ. And they wouldn't have done anything unless it was pushed by the power of the internet. Again, we can see this all the time. We, but the rest of the world sees it as well. There, unfortunately, it seems like a lot of people in, the, in, in America have been gaslit into this. But the rest of the world sees this. Everyone who lost money into that sees it. And the Democratic Party even admitted it. They said that they were, quote, watching the case closely. And part of the reason why they are watching the case closely is because, again, it was their second largest donor and they didn't want to have to give the money back. But this is a good question to bring up. If these politicians were, in fact, covering for some of the crimes, if, in fact, we see that even some legacy media like New York Times might have been helping to cover up the crime, if we see that, uh, well, now that he's been convicted, we know that he swung elections with stolen funds that can't ever be unwound. But do those investors get their money back? What happens to the politicians that took the money from FTX? Will they be able to keep their seats? Should they be removed and we should bring in the challenger? What about the money that they received? Now, there's lots of court precedents that shows how there's 
clawbacks. We know that Dinesh D'Souza, who's a conservative filmmaker, he makes documentaries, he made a movie, oh, he's made a bunch of movies, one of which was the 2000 Mules, and he kind of talked about the 2020 election. He made one back in 2016, it was about Obama, and Obama didn't like that very much. And Obama went, the, the Bar, Obama administration and the DOJ went and found him guilty of campaign finance, finance violations. I want to say it was about $25,000 or less. And I think he was convicted on it for like 18 months, a year, 18 months, something like that. Don't fact me. Or go ahead and fact check me on that. Uh, somewhere in that range. But yet here we have hundreds of millions of dollars of stolen funds. Now, Dinesh D'Souza weren't stolen funds. He just didn't declare them properly. Here we have hundreds of millions of dollars of stolen funds of customers who want their money back given to politicians to swing a vote. The damage is forever done and the people are out their money. This is not about, uh, this is not so much about politics. This is framing up why this is the battle for the fate of humanity. This is why they don't want us to have the power. So when you see digital IDs and central bank digital currencies and, and privacy and misinformation and malinformation and controls on AI, now you know why. They don't want you to have the power of the technology in your hands so they can continue to manipulate us. And this is the battle for the fight of our lives. Now, one of the ways that we've been able to always protect our, our life is by, with, by having our money, access to our money, because money buys us options. Now, inside money, like CBDCs, will be controlled by them and controlled through censorship. One of the best ways is to get money outside the system. And for 5,000 years, the best way to do that has been with gold. That's why I buy gold. And that's why gold, I think, is going, it's rallying. It's up big. It's up 19% since October. Silver's up 22% since October. And it's because people see this. They want to get their money out of the bank into assets like gold. And I get my gold from a company called Universal Coin and Bullion. Um, I I've met uh, with Dr. Mike Fulgens and his company. They're trustworthy and they have great prices and they have a special price on a silver one ounce American silver eagle coin with no dealer markup, just $27 each, but a limit of three. They'll even ship it to you for free if you mention my name. Give them a call, call Universal Coin and Bullion to get either a $27 silver eagle coin deal or they have a $47 Donald Trump tribute label silver eagle coin deal get either one with free shipping if you mention my name call 1-800-UCB-GOLD again 1-800-UCB-GOLD or go online to universalcoin.com slash mark moss if you're just tuning in you're listening to the mark moss show we've been breaking down this sbf court case but more importantly un so you can understand what is really at stake here hopefully you enjoyed it let me know hit me up on the comments on social media at one mark moss until next time I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.